So I think that in a way, uh, what a map can bring to the business is the sense of uh, where, how do you better optimize your activities based on the location where they happen. You can uh, literally uh, build your business plan having this component. Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. You just heard Claudia Blagu, digital project leader at the company that operates more than 80% of IKEA stores worldwide, explain why location intelligence is key to getting maximum value out of data. Esri Conservation Solutions Director David Gadsden investigates how Inca Group uses geospatial technology to obtain the insights to realize sustainable growth. Hi, Claudia, and welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. The company you work for, Inca Investments, is owned by the same company that operates more than 80% of IKEA stores, or for our global listeners, uh, the IKEA stores worldwide. Inca Investments maintains a portfolio of projects that supports core retail businesses, digitalization technologies, renewable energy, and forest land. That's an incredibly diverse portfolio. What do digital technologies, renewable energy, and forest land have to do with one another? So, first of all, I think that it's better to clarify a little bit. So, Inca Investments, it's one of the three core businesses of Inca Group. Besides that, we also, like you said, we operate uh, some of the, the IKEA stores. Uh, so, we have IKEA retail and as well as Inca centers. The link between all these investments and the way that it's so diverse is basically we uh, try to invest uh, in what we call the, for the value creation. Uh, that means that, uh, in a way, we are creating good returns for the company, for our customers, and also for the people and planet. In the long term, uh, we are actually investing in a way to uh, make sure that we reach our sustainability goals. Uh, it's also um, our way to demonstrate that we have a positive impact um, to the business and environment. Uh, this is what um, my colleagues are calling investing with, uh, with an impact. At the end, I think that it's uh, how we manage to carefully balance uh, the investment activities across uh, these uh, three strategic movements that we have uh, in our uh, company. It's how we secure the Inca Group financial resilience, help uh, to grow companies, to boost our business development, and also innovate in areas where IKEA wants to be strong. I'm trying to imagine the scope of that digital infrastructure that empowers this level of sustainability. What does that mean in a forestry environment or, uh, you know, what's the last mile for the reach of that infrastructure and how does it all come together across that incredibly diverse portfolio? Well, what I like to say, David, is that, you know, we, we sit on a pile of data. Uh, the difference that makes when you choose this infrastructure is that you can work with the data and uh, you know do your business usual, or you can use this technology to actually like take reliable decisions that will ensure that you survive for the many years. And forestry, it's one of the business that actually you don't plan it for only a couple of years. It has a cycle of life very long. So the things that we are doing today will be probably reflected in the many, many years uh, to come forth. So uh, whatever action I do today, it will be probably only seen by my kids, by my grandkids or by the grand grandkids and so on. So, yeah, I mean, digital infrastructure for us means that we need to um, 
choose or use systems that are capable enough to survive and to offer us the possibility to like see a little bit in the future. Um, although it's, you know, it's still science-based and it's hard to predict completely how the future will look like. Uh, it's important that this uh, uh, technology have the ability to process uh, enormous amount of data and amount, uh, enormous amount of scenarios so that uh, you know what happens with your forest in not only in 10 years, but also in 100 years or even more than that. I think it's it's about that. It's about uh, making sure that uh, if you pick uh, um, a solution to I don't know help you with your accounting or help you helping you with the sales strategy, it's able to predict some of the scenarios that uh, you need to take in order to both uh, reach your sustainability goal, uh, but also your business goal. So it's about how to marry these two concepts about being sustainable but also conduct your business. I'm curious how climate change might already be affecting your, your, your planning and management. It seems that over the past two years, there's been such a dramatic increase in extreme weather events and climate related disruptions. Is that the case that you're already needing to adapt your strategy in some manner? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a very good question. And in fact, yes, lately we've been uh, notifying that uh, more and more, the climate change is uh, quite impacting not only our business, but also the businesses around us. So we, we are trying to identify both methods, how to incorporate like the climate change uh, impact into our um, business plans, but as well to find a, a digital solution to help us like simulate those changes. And uh, I can give you one example, I mean, uh, in the past, um, wildfires in Romania, where I'm also based, were very rare. Uh, there weren't that many uh, incidents. Um, but lately, like you said, at least in the last two or three years, they started to become like something out of the normal. Um, and yes, it's impacting both our business, but it's also putting us to question whatever decision we have to take in order to foresee those kind of impacts that the climate change has. It's, it's rather hard, I would say, because the, you still don't have enough data available to, uh, to build these scenarios. But definitely it's part of uh, the way that we, we want to go forward. Um, I was having a discussion the other days with, uh, with my colleagues and they were mentioning about uh, finding the species that can be resilient to the climate change, meaning to start thinking about what species they need to be promoted in a way that they can survive these drastic changes that are going on from high temperature to very low temperature to um, potential fires or even damages caused by, uh, by these fluctuations of temperatures. So you're focused on forestry in Romania. Can, can you help our listeners uh, get a sense of what these forests are like? What, you know, what are their characteristics? Why are they special from a biodiversity perspective? Um, and then how do you use geospatial technology to, to manage and understand those places? We, we have a saying in Romanian. Uh, I think that the, the, the literal translation to, to that is like uh, the Romanian is brother with the forest. 
So as you can understand, uh, there is like an intimately link to Romanians, both culture, economic, social, and historical development. So we are very close uh, in the forestry in, in, in my country. It's a very sensitive topic. People are uh, very uh, interested in this. When it comes to, to the type of forest we, uh, we have in our country, what I can say is that we have a diverse forestry uh, because uh, Romania is in a temperate zone. So that means that the type of forest that uh, is present here, it's specific to the temperate zone. It covers, in general, more than 20% of the country as an expansion. And um, 96% of this one, it's uh, publicly owned. That means that only 4% of that, it's privately owned. We, as Inca Investments, we are the largest private owner in uh, Romania about the forest and the type of forest that we have. But like I said, that uh, what makes it a bit special and a bit one of a kind for our portfolio is the fact that we have more than 70 species of trees in our portfolio compared with other uh, areas such as Baltic countries where we have around, I don't know, five. There is a huge biodiversity in Romania. And um, how we will use that geospatial technology in order to analyze, protect, or even monitor this biodiversity is that basically everything has a location. And for us, because everything has a location, we need to know where it is so we can act accordingly. We need to monitor so we know uh, exactly what is happening with uh, those specific biodiversity elements. And then in the end, we do regular checks on, uh, on, uh, on those uh, specific places. We mainly use the geospatial technology for that, but it's, I think that it's also a component on uh, how to better understand the type of uh, uh, both the type of forest that we we manage uh, and um, what are the services that it can uh, can offer besides you know the the raw materials. For me personally. I remember, I remember when I went uh, once uh, with my colleagues uh, visiting one of the forests that we, we have. And I have to say that I think that it was one of the most beautiful places that I was in my life in a forest. Uh, it was in a place uh, where it's like a natural reserve. And according to my colleagues, there was no intervention for many, many years in that uh, in that forest. And it was so full of biodiversity. I was, you know, I always wonder why we have so many, so many things on our maps in that particular area. And the moment that I went there, I understood why. It was just like a fairy tale. Inca Investments recently achieved the Forest Stewardship Council certification, a global standard for um verifying responsibly managed uh, forest practices. How did you achieve this certification and why is it important to pursue? The moment that the property enters into our portfolio, we always take the steps to achieve the uh, FSC certification. Uh, the reason why we are doing this is because we have this goal of being a responsible forest land ownership that both preserves and increase the quality of the forest for the generations to come. Our internal standards for sustainable management and make us, you know, to be available in the market. And nowadays, we also believe that the certification that is offered by the Forest Stewardship Council, the FEC, as is commonly known, it fits this purpose. 
Besides that, I would say that it's not only about the FSE, we also have our internal standards when it comes to uh, compliance, when it comes to the inspections that we, we do on our property. The way that we achieve this certification is that it's it's a very it's a very long process. In in fact, you you go from checking out all the all these uh, criteria where you identify like the biodiversity uh, structure in your uh, property. You identify the type of forest that you need to preserve. You identify uh, some of the characteristics uh, of your forest. Uh, if you have some endemic species in your property, like I don't know some protective flowers or some protected animals you map everything so it has a lot of things that it has components on the map and then at the end uh, of course there is an operational perspective on that so they check all the operational activity that you're doing there are some audits that are happening in the field and based on this uh, audit that happens you get your certification and I think that our role as digital department into all this certification process is that we both offer the platform uh, of having um, a mapping tool where they can map all the elements that are needed for this certification, but we also offer the possibility to analyze. So whenever we have a query related to our property, so I don't know how much broadly we have in our portfolio in that particular property, how much of that it's uh, uh, over 100 years, how much of that it's new plantation and how much of that it's uh, uh, having some very specific uh, type of forest that it's very protected. We can have that using the platforms that we, we have. With dealing with such massive volumes of data, what do maps bring to the table to help communications and decision-making? Oh, yeah, I remember a funny story about that. Uh, when I first started working here, um, there was no data, there was no maps, there was nothing. And I started to map out you know, the property, the information that we had. And we had like uh, the first meeting where I had to go uh, in the Netherlands to present to my colleagues uh, some of the things that I was working back then when I was a GIS analyst. And uh, I showed this map where we had all our properties and all of the activities that were going around. And suddenly, you know, the room light up and said, I didn't knew that our property looks like this. So I think that in a way, uh, what a map can bring to the business is the sense of uh, where. Um, it's about the location. It's about the, how do you better optimize your activities based on the location where they happen. Um, if you analyze that only based on um, table data, so you don't have anything visual, it will be really hard to, uh, to, to optimize that. Uh, when you bring the map into this context, you can suddenly see patterns. You can see where to better plan, where to better harvest, how you can um, put together some of the activities. You can uh, literally uh, build your business plan having this component. And I think that following the years that I've been working here, it became more and more important that the map actually brings another dimension to the business, which uh, was never there before. Claudia, you're such a passionate geospatial professional and your work and the work of Inca is truly exemplary. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for the opportunity. 
Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Claudia Blagu for explaining how Inca Investments uses location technology to grow while protecting the environment. If you liked this episode, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about how location intelligence enables digital transformation and drives growth, visit esri.com forward slash location intelligence.